Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. How many of you are under attack this week? Come on, how many of you are under attack this week? I couldn't even move. I left here on Sunday. I don't even, the first few nights of this week, I couldn't even sleep. But you know what I said? I said to myself, you know what? Talk self-talk. I said, you're in a battle, brother. You're going to preach about it. This is reality, man. When you leave the pulpit, you're in a battle. But guess what? I'm not the only one. I know you're in a battle too. Don't just come up to me and go, preach your pastor. I'm praying for you. I know you're under attack. So are you. So are you. I'm not the only one under attack. But you know, can I give you one more little thing before I really get into the, the good stuff today? Right? I, this is good, but that's really good. What, I, what I'm going to talk about in a minute. How many of you know the movie Cinderella Man? Cinderella Man, Jimmy Braddock, right? The boxing movie, Great Depression. One of my all-time favorite movies, right? I don't think it got the acclaim and the love it should have. Well, here's this guy, Jim Braddock, and this is what I think about with myself when it comes to the enemy and he's trying to attack me and he's trying to take my family out. I think about he had a fight with a guy named John. True story. True story. Here's a guy that was doing really well. He loses his career, hurts his hand. He's down and out. Can't pay his electric bills. Can't put food on the table. And then later on, he gets another opportunity and he gets back in the ring and he makes the best of it. And he's fighting a guy named John Lewis that he's already fought earlier in his career. And this guy, Lewis, beat him. And it's the end of the first round. You with me? It's the end of the first round, right? And they're in the corner. And Lewis's trainer walks, you know, is coming up to him. And he starts yelling at him. And he says, what's wrong with you? This is an old man. You clobbered this guy last time. What are you doing? Take this guy out. And with that, Lewis just looks at him and goes, this ain't the same guy. That's not, this, this isn't the same guy. And I bring that up because when the enemy attacks me and he comes after my family, I sat there this week and said, no, 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 enemy. I'm not the same guy that you came after two years ago. I'm not the same guy that you came after five years ago. Oh, I'm somebody different. You want to fight? You want to throw a roundhouse? Well, guess what? I'm going to give you my best shot. That has to be, that has, we, we're constant, we constantly have to have a mindset of going to war, of doing battle. You with me this morning? We are going to roll into another part of Jacob's story as Genesis turns, right? Like this is like a, this is a soap opera. This is just an absolute soap opera. Can we have some fun today? I have some time. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to teach you the story. I'm going to give us some application, but I'm going to take my time with this today. Like I have with the, with the rest of the series. I've been telling you every single week, I'm feeling it. I know I'm, I know I'm locked in. I don't have any Legos with me today. I, you know what? You know how many of you, I, listen, I thank you for the support that you give me after I preach because I didn't even know if I was going to use that illustration last week. And I can't tell you how many people said, oh my God, that illustration, that was it in your sermon, that Lego illustration with the pieces when they were all over the place. I got it. I got it. If you weren't here, just go listen to the podcast. I don't have time to, to go through every single message that we've already done in the series. We, you kind of have to, you have to do that on your own. So here we are. I could make the seven parts. I'm probably just make it, going to make it six. This is the fourth week of, again, probably what's going to be a six part series. Next week's going to be the best part of the series. I'll just tell you that right now. And then the week after that's going to be the best part of the series. All right. After that. So we're going to actually lock into Genesis 29. We left off last week with Jacob. Remember, he was in the middle of nowhere. nowhere. Good. Somebody was listening. My boy Jacob was in the middle of nowhere. And I, that was my whole theme, if you weren't here. My theme was God finds us sometimes in places that are seemingly right obscure, where you wouldn't expect to find him. But he says, that's where I'm going to meet you. In the middle of nowhere, he's on his way to go meet his uncle Laban, right? 400 miles away. I showed you on a map last week. He's going to meet him. He doesn't expect. He puts his head down, has that crazy, freaky dream, right? That crazy dream. And God shows up in a miraculous way. A powerful passage. So here he is now. He has finally made his way to Haran 
to see his uncle Laban. Let's start at the, I'm going to read you the first 12 verses. Now at certain points in this, okay, I'm going to just tell you what happened because I'm pushing through the whole chapter, right? Because you can't understand. And there's so much more to this. It's just, again, like I say every week, it's just one sermon. I could take this in a thousand different directions, but it's one sermon. So let's try to keep it simple. So at the top, it says, so Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the East. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well, they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, my brethren, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. Then he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. So he said to them, is he well? He's out of well, right? So he had to say the word well. Is that was corny. Don't laugh at that. Is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter, Rachel, is coming with the sheep. Then he said, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. What are the sheep? And go and feed them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together. And they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well. Didn't we say this is a, he's a mama's boy? I take that back. He's not a mama's boy. Not anymore. And watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. They keep saying that. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Wow, Jacob, where do I start? And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebecca's son. So she ran and told her father. Wow. There's a lot of material here. There's a lot of material here. So just a couple things I'll point out before we move on. First thing you have to know is the fact that she had sheep her, her father, Rachel's father, Laban, is a pretty wealthy guy. He's affluent, right? He's got some money. He's a man of means. But here is this guy, Jacob, as he goes there. Do you see how this, is, this guy's a total manipulator? Did you, read, did you hear in the story, because you, you probably missed this, they would wait until all of the flocks are together, then they would remove the stone and they would water all of their sheep, right? Did you hear that? My boy says, I'm not going to wait for that. He's, this is the guy at, I'm thinking about, it, I'm going, this is the guy at the gym when he sees the hot girl walk in. He's like, put another 45 on the bar, right? And he gets under the bar and he's like, is she watching me right now? I don't need you guys. I'm going to move this stone all by myself. The lengths a man will go to impress a woman. How many of you guys, right? You went, you, uh, listen, I'm not going to give you my stories and, and, you know, I don't want to insult anybody. I don't want to make you feel bad. I don't want to get you in trouble later. But how many of you guys, you could talk about the lengths that you went to impress your wife, your girlfriend, right? How many of you, right? You should have your hand up if you're married right now, right? My father-in-law has his hand up pretty high. And, and what about when it says in verse 11, do you see, I don't, if you're a single guy, I don't recommend this is the approach that you should take when you meet somebody, you shouldn't go up and start hugging up on them and crying up on them. I don't think that's going to go well. And how about this? You can't make this up during the week, a couple of nights ago, I just happened to be downstairs. I just happen to be in the family room. The TV just happened to be on in that family room. I'm thinking about my sermon, right? And next thing I know, somebody in the house, it wasn't Jameson, it wasn't me, right? So it's either Nolan or Megan, and the TV is on, and they're watching The Bachelorette, right? Right, listen, no, this is the best part, though. What are the chances? And if you don't know the show, I know the show. What are the chances? When these guys get out, it's the first night, right? And they're meeting this chick. Her name's Rachel. Megan tells me she's a real Christian. I don't know. I don't know anything about her, right? She's probably, whatever. So they get out and one of these guys goes up to her. Her name's Rachel. And in trying to impress her, he goes, when Jacob first met Rachel, he wept. 
I said, that's the one right there. He went to the Bible. Are you kidding me? Isn't that kind of cool? I can't believe no one was watching that. <laughs> Crazy. You also have to see again. I said before about Peter, how old he is. Did you know Jacob's? He's also on Medicare. All right. Jacob's over the age of 65 years old. Right. He's older than Pastor Joe. I'll say that because he's not in the room today. But he, the dudes, he's old. He has never been married before. A lot of you have read this story. Again, I have to say this every week. You have looked at Jacob in this story. You probably, even if you read this probably a thousand times, you probably looked at him as being young. He's not. He's old. He's old. Again, I say he's old. I was waiting for some. See, that's what I wanted, Alice. I was waiting for somebody to stand up for your generation. All right, so there you go. He's an old man. And then here's the next part that I'm, I'm just skipping ahead because for t- time constraint, I, I don't want to go crazy into every single verse, but he then stays there, right? Jacob stays there. He meets his uncle Laban. His uncle Laban puts him to work. He works there for a month and then they have this conversation. Laban says, hey, listen, how, we got to come up with a price. I have to pay you. I know you're my nephew, but we have to figure something out. What do you think is a fair price for your services to stay here and work for me? And then this is what, this is the exchange. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah in 16 and the name of the younger was Rachel. We're going to get to this in a little bit. I underlined it. Leah's eyes were delicate. They're putting it delicately. But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. Oh, Laban. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed only a few days to him. Baby, I would serve 77 years for you. Thank you. Nick Spark style. Because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. For my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. You missed this, right? Because we read it. I've read every commentary. I've read what every scholar has to say, right? About this passage and everything that I'm talking about in the book of Genesis and the life of Jacob. Now, this is cool. You ready for this? Do you know the average bride price? Now, what am I talking? I love giving you the context and the history. That's just my way. That's how I preach. Because I don't think you can understand the story unless you understand the context. The average bride price, price that a groom would have to pay to marry someone's daughter. You got it? 30 to 40 shekels. I know, I know, you're all blown away. You're like, wow, that's, you don't even know what a shekel is, okay? Because I didn't know what a shekel was, either, right? The average person would make 18 shekels in a year. So average price is 30 to 40 shekels. Average person made it, you still don't get it. Let's do it this way, right? Ready? I knew you weren't going to. I, I, I set this up. Average person say they make $100,000. Okay? The bride price would be between $187,000 and $260,000. That's what the bride price would be. Jacob is rolling onto, he comes onto the scene and he sees what he wants. He is not negotiating. You look at this and go, he's negotiating. He's offering to pay seven. $100,000 for Laban's daughter, Rachel, the youngest. That's the one I want. Up to this point in the story, Jacob has always been a negotiator, has he not? He's always been manipulating. He's always trying to usurp. But here, for the first time in this man's life, he says, man, I'm not going to go with what the... Re- this is almost... This deal, I thought about it. None of the commentators said it, but I think it's true. You look in the beginning. When we talked about the, the birthright and the blessing, and remember the bowl of beans we did a couple of weeks ago? When you look at that story and how bad that was that Esau gave up his birthright for a bowl of beans, this is crazy. $700,000? Sorry, bro, she's not worth it. Seven hundred. You could have just said 300000 Work three years. Laban would have been like, okay, that's, that's great. Let's do it. 700. This is what one, this is what one scholar said. It said, it clearly shows a man. Can you handle this today? If I, if I go PG 13 on you, can you handle that? I'm not going to go rate it all. I'm going to go PG 13 though on you. If you're 13, if you're under 13, you got to leave the room right now. Good. Okay. 
It clearly shows us a man who is sexually and emotionally overwhelmed with desire for Rachel. He will do anything for her. He will pay anything to get her. He must have her. I'm teaching you a little bit first because this this story is good. It's rich. And you look at this. What is Jacob doing with his brokenness? Up to this point in his life, everything's broken. Do you remember when he left from Beersheba, right? What did he have with him? Let me, you tell me, what did Jacob have with him when he went to eventually the place I said, you have naming rights and he renamed it Bethel. What did he have? Nothing. He doesn't even, I'm thinking this morning, I'm going, he doesn't even have Wilson. Tom Hanks had Wilson. He doesn't even have Wilson. He has nothing. Here is a man that is absolutely broken in pieces. He has nothing. But he comes up here in the story and he says, man, you know what? I'm broken. I'll do anything to have heart on my arm. I'll do anything. I'll give up anything. I'll, I'll go here. I'll go there. I'll do whatever it takes to get her. You know why? Come here, here it is. Now I'm going to start to preach a little bit. Because then I'll be happy. When I get the girl, then I'll be happy. Because that's what I need. I'm broken inside. That's what I need. She's going to fix all my problems. Bro, she's going to make your life a living hell. As if he's here. Later on, I'm going to talk to the girls. Some of you are like, all right, now he's losing it. He's talking to the characters that really aren't here. But you just got to roll with it. Then, in, I want you to notice, seven years, it says, went by like it was only a few days. And all the women in the house said, oh, isn't that sweet? Again, right? This is like right out of those, those romance. I don't know, Nick Sparks. Who else does like these movies or awful, right? Except the first one was good. I, every year, The Notebook. Right, I've said it to you before. I know every line. I know more lines than you girls do. You want to come up here right now? You'll lose. You'll be embarrassed. But you could try. So my boy, right, when you look at this, he says, I'll work seven years, right? And you see that. But you have to juxtapose this, verse 20 with 21. You ready? So look at verse 20. And then, go to, then it says, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. What? If you're Laban, this has, this has miffed, this has surprised scholars through the centuries. You want to know why? Because this is the only spot, first of all, in the Bible where you see somebody talk like this. He's one of the patriarchs. This is so forward. This is so crass. You don't, look, I don't have any girls. I have nieces, okay? You gentlemen in the room, if you have a daughter in the house, how would you react if some guy came up to you, brother, and said something to this effect in our vernacular. Would that have went up? Would it go over too well? No, I don't think it would go over too well. I did what I said we were going to do. Now give me my wife. I told you I'm going to keep it PG-13. I could make it rated all real quick, but I'm not. Right? Give me my wife. And then it comes, this crazy request. Then it, we get to the actual wedding night. And I'm not going to put up the verses, but let me just give you a little of the background here. Laban puts on this huge wedding feast. Did you know in that day that weddings were like a week long? In our day, right, we were at a wedding. Not, uh, I don't know. I won't give you the exact time, but we were at a wedding, and it felt like it was a week long. Did you ever like, go to a wedding, right? And at the end of the night, you're kind of pooped. They're a week long here. A week. And at the end of it, everyone is feasting. There's a lot of drinking going on here, too, as well. But the bride, and what they don't tell you in the text is, the bride would be veiled the whole day. Before the man got to go in with his bride and consummate the marriage, she was veiled the entire day. You with me? Because you probably read this story too and you're like, what's up with this dude? First of all, there's no electricity. Can I just, can I kind of, again, I'm on the fence a lot today. I have to. It's the Bible. I didn't write this story. I'm just preaching from it. But there's no electricity back then and he's had a lot to drink. Mazel tov, right? All day. There's Uncle Laban, and he's constantly, he's going, yes, celebrate. Yes, my daughter, you're, you're going to marry. This is a, everybody's in a celebratory mood. Everybody's happy. You with me? So it's at this point where things really change. Don't you, again, don't you love the Bible that it gives you the absolute truth? It doesn't hide the fact that Jacob had way too much to drink. 
that he's absolutely probably obliterated at this point in the night. Again, right? right? Let's call it like it is. This is reality. And then you go to, right? Then you go to the morning after. Because this gives you even some more, read between the lines, right? Trying to walk delicately, go to 25. So it says, so it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. Wait a second. I thought he was marrying Rachel. Behold, in the morning, it was Leah. Wow. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. I would give anything to see this exchange, right? I think he's been waiting seven years for this, to have this little exchange. I think God has been waiting on the edge of his seat seven years for this exchange to happen to the one that is the manipulator, the one that has always been the deceiver. Now the deceiver becomes the deceived. Fulfill her weak and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Behind door number two, you get Rachel, but you have to serve seven more years. I know, right? Exactly. Thank you. He's not, he's, Jake the snake gets caught. He's, we met him as Jakey Poo in the beginning. Oh, little Jakey Poo. And he's grabbing at his brother's heel. Now Jake the snake gets caught. And here he is, and his life is still... I mean, just when you think the guy hit rock bottom, just when you think he hit rock bottom, it gets worse. How about what a rabbi, an ancient rabbi, ready for this? This is so good. An ancient rabbi imagines Jacob and Leah having an angry exchange in the morning. Friends, read your Bible with an imagination. Do you understand how creative Jesus was? I get, listen, if you're somebody that sits in there, you were here last week, you have a problem with my illustration, you just go to the Bible and look what Jesus did. All the illustrations that Jesus used. Did you you know Jesus never healed the same disease the same way? Why would he do that? Jesus was constantly looking all around him, using illustrations, using things from nature, trying to paint a picture, trying to show a message. That was, I don't know. So the ancient rabbi said this. He imagines Jacob and Leah having an angry exchange in the morning. Jacob says to Leah, I called out Rachel in the dark, but you answered. Why did you do that to me? Leah says to Jacob, your father called out Esau in the dark and you answered. Why did you do that to him? Oh, how many of you are seeing the story a little? You're getting, you're getting a little. I'm filling in some of the blanks. Maybe you knew the story. Maybe you are new to this story, but you're getting a fuller picture of what is really going on in the life of this man, Jacob. And then can we now go to verse 17? Can I now talk about the elephant in the room? Yeah, I got it right. Because last week, some people were like, dude, there's no colored elephant, right? And some of you said it to me. Yeah, I learned, all right? I, there's no colored, there's an elephant, though. He's in the room. And here's what the elephant is for this week. You ready for this? Right here, where it says in 17, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Oh, I, I, I could take the rest of the time and just talk about this, and you, you could laugh a little bit. Uh, let's, let's really get down to it. When it says her eyes were delicate, this is another word in Hebrew that scholars have been fighting about for centuries. One scholar says it means cow. One, right? What is the connotation with that? Uh, another scholar says it means rock. Any way you slice it, this is a derogatory term for how Leah looks. The author is comparing how they physically look. We don't know, was there something, did she have a protruding eye? Was she a little bit scary to look at? Were her eyes crossed really bad? We don't, nobody knows for sure, but I can tell you there was something physical going on. Can I tell you, though, what the crux of what the writer is trying to say? Because the writer is not talking about how they looked. Like they had a, you know, I don't know, they had binoculars and they're looking out because if the author was intending for us to look at it and go, well, Leah couldn't see well, but Rachel, oh, with her untrammeled vision, she could see really far. You know what it's really saying? No, no, no. It's saying that's not how they looked. It's how they looked. You had one sister who was beautiful and then you had the other sister who is the ugly duckling. Are you with me? 
There is another sister that has been unwanted. This is the girl that nobody wanted. This is the girl that nobody paid attention to. Laban never paid attention to this daughter. He paid attention to the pretty one. And you may go, man, that is so sad. That is terrible. But guess what? You, like me, judge things in this world by appearances. We judge by appearances. If we would only pull back the layer sometimes and see what is really underneath. Can I do it? You're all sleeping today. You've been alive the whole series. You're not, this, today's a little different. I'm going to have to wake you up. I don't know if I was going to use this illustration. I need a volunteer. Yeah, yeah, I need a volunteer. After last week, you're afraid. I need a volunteer. I want somebody that would, I would never expect to come up. Jaden, you want to come Come here. Come here. Come on up. Come here. Jaden, you're going to like this. You ready for this? Come on. You're going to tie your shoes, brother. What? <laughs> a man that knows style. I like it. Yeah. All right, here's what I have. I got money. You like money? Yeah. You do? You like money? So, See, now the, now the illustration got pretty good because we got real money here. All right, here's what I have. I have some money. I have a stack of money. Not too much, but I got a little roll going on here, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to guess how much is in this roll. Now, if you can guess how much is in this roll, you can keep it. But let me see, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before I even let you see it, this is, this is like college money in here, okay? This is like, col- I have two kids. This is like college money. So be careful when you actually give me a real number. This isn't church money. This is James Lecce's money. Megan Lecce's money, all right? Okay, you take a look at that. Take a look at it. What do you think? What do you think? Take a look at it. What? You can't, you can't get rid of the rubber bands, brother. What do you think, though? What do you think? Take a look at it now. Take another look at it now. $204. Okay. Here's what I was hoping you would do. Ready? First of all, let's look at this. Let's take this off. I wasn't going to do this, but I like you. Okay? I was hoping that you would play around with it. But you were pretty smart, right? You did. Oh, there are some hundreds in here. I had 200. I don't even know how much is in here. I didn't count. I didn't know. But there's $209. Again. Here, here. You take. I got to keep the hundreds. But you're going to take the extra nine bucks. Just for playing along. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Listen to me. He was close and that scared me. Listen to me. That scared me. Wow. I went, what? Two, when he went 200, I went, what? <laughs> Listen to me. Why did I do that illustration? Because you can't judge a stack by what it looks on the outside. You have to peel back. You have to peel back and see what's underneath. Some of us in here have been judged by how we look, by how we dress, by how we talk. And let me tell you too, there's an enemy out there that is whispering lies to us. And he's saying, you're never going to amount to anything because of the way you look. You're never going to amount to anything because of the way you talk. You're not educated enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. How many of you can you give me an amen because I'm preaching right now? What you are wrapped in is not indicative of what you're made of. What you're wrapped in is not... Yeah, come on. Let's go. What you're wrapped in... You can clap. You're in church. I don't care. You can shout. How come we judge things by appearances? Why don't we look a little bit deeper? I was thinking about even with my own life. You know what we do too? We wildly overestimate what we can do without God. And we wildly underestimate what we can do with Him. You didn't, no, you didn't get it. We wildly overestimate what we can do without God. I've been doing it for a long time. Let me tell you something. It's a little different for me. When Pastor, can I be real honest with you? When Pastor Tom left, some of you are like, what's going to go? What's he going to do? How's he going to do this? How's he going to preach all the time? It's not my job to run this church. It's just my job to be faithful. It's my job to just go back and get a word and give you something to eat. It's your job to take it, eat it, and digest it. But it's not my job to sit there and stress out and live in anxiety about it all the time. My God is good. My God is faithful. Don't you judge things by appearances. 
But we do it all the time. There are no second class there are no second class citizens in, in the kingdom of God. The same beating took the same beating. It took the same blood from the same Savior to save me as it does and did to save you. Do you realize, sorry, I'm a sports guy. Do you realize that you are God's first round draft pick? Do you realize that God actually likes you? Did you realize that God picked you? Did you realize that there are no second class people in here? Did you realize that when you get to heaven one day, everybody's a first class citizen? You don't go on an airplane and there's first class and there's business class and there's coach class. No, in heaven, everyone's in first class. Everybody. How many of you know the name Malcolm Gladwell? Malcolm Gladwell. I'm going to give you a little Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell, writer for The New Yorker. He, uh, he's like a sociology guy. I use a lot of his stuff in, in, the, in the classroom, in the other classroom that I teach in. And he had an illustration on this that was money. It was so good. He, and the, the premise of the book is, when you look at the choices we make in an instant, they're not as obvious as they would seem. Okay, that's the premise. That's the crux of his book. And in the book, he, he talks about an example how the classical musical, music world realized their system for auditioning new musicians was totally corrupt. New musicians for the top orchestras in the world. That was totally corrupt. You want to know why it was corrupt? He goes on to talk about how when, when people would come and they would audition, the judges in the audience, they could see the person. So if you were a male or you were a female, they could see you. And then he gives this story. And my wife, she okayed this. Sometimes I go to her and say, honey, do you think this is a good enough? So if it's not a good enough illustration, you don't come to me. I'm kidding. So here's what, here's what he says. He says, he goes, he talks about one female instrumentalist. Her name is Julie Landsman. She auditioned for, I love this, for the role of principal French horn at the Met. And the screen, the Met, I mean, really, the Met, the screens go up and she plays. Now, she, at this time, there were no women in the brass section of the orchestra, right? So if you're a musician, this is, this is, she came, sat down and played. This is what she wrote. I knew in my last round that I had won it before they even told me. It was because of the way I performed the last piece. I held on to the last high C for a very long time just to leave no doubt in their minds. And they started to laugh because it was above and beyond the call of duty. But when they declared her the winner and she stepped out from behind the curtain, there was a huge audible <gasps> gasp. And you may say they were shocked because it was a woman. No, 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 no. Here's the best part of the story. Not only was she a woman, she had played for the Met as a substitute. Until that point, they listened to her with just their ears. However, they had no idea she was that good. Do not judge by appearances. Isn't that a good story? Wow, I thought that was good. You know, and that's the thing, because the enemy... I'm getting to the best part. That's the thing with the enemy. He's constantly trying to get us to believe... The, this series is really about identity, your identity in Christ. You realize that? Every week I'm preaching, that's really what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about looking out there. Oh, you see, I want to drop so many bombs, and I have to hold some of them. Like last week I said things I want to... I was going to do a whole sermon on one of the things I said. Some of you said naming rights. I like that, renaming places. I was just going to do a whole sermon on that. I, I don't know if I'm doing a whole sermon on that anymore, but whatever. Why am I saying that? What was I saying? Oh, the enemy. All right, getting back to this. When you think about it, that's what the enemy wants. When we look in the mirror, right? He wants us to see all those labels. And what do labels do? Labels tell us who we are, how far we can go, right? Isn't that what, in this world, you've, been, you've heard things about you, th things have been said about you, and you've been labeled before. You know, here's another illustration, and I may use this again in the future, and this, I may ba base a whole sermon around this, but the NBA finals are coming up this week. How many basketball fans do we have in the house, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of ladies. Good, good, good. I'm kidding. You're like, really? With that many? No, no, no. But it doesn't matter. Because here's the illustration. Do you remember there was a commercial? And I think, I think it was Kevin Durant. Help me out if, if any of you got it. Kevin Durant. And he's on a bus. And he's going to the away, the away arena. 
And there he is, and the bus pulls up, and fans are pelting the bus like, like my brother and I would have done if we were in this, like, out there. And they're throwing eggs, and they're throwing tomatoes, and they're pelting the bus. And then all of a sudden, this is what you see. You see, you see Kevin Garnett, and he pulls out his Beat headphones, and he puts the Beat headphones on his head. And I saw it, I was like, oh my God, what a picture. And he canceled out all the noise that was going on around him. He gets out of the bus, and he walks into the stadium, and he was ready to rumble. And you know what? I think sometimes, can I borrow your Bible, brother? I don't have headphones on me today, but I think sometimes we need to take a pair of headphones and we need to plug it into this Bible because it's the word of God. And we need to plug into some of those truths. And we need to say, you know what? I'm the head. I'm not the tail. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He has plans to prosper me. He doesn't, he wants to, he's not going to make you a failure. He knows exactly what your zip code is. He knows exactly where you are. Cancel all the noise out there what your co-workers are saying, what your boss is saying, what your kids are saying. Well, I don't know who anybody is saying, but I'll tell you what, I'm putting the headphones on and I'm plugging into this and I'm trusting that God knows. Can we get to the best part of the story now? I'm going to rock somebody's world here. I'm going to rock. This is... My hip feels good, by the way. I can jump up and down. I could jump up and down right now. I was, listen, I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. Some of you are really worried. That's okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. I know what I'm doing. Then in chapter Genesis 29, let's go to verse 30, 31 to 35. All right. Is almost, almost. This is, it's, we're building. We're getting somewhere. What? What? Oh, the next part. You know it? You want to come up and teach it? <laughs> all right. Okay, ready? So it says in 31, that's all right, because I told you a couple of weeks ago, there's nobody that's more unqualified in this room. Did you hear what I said? There is nobody that is more unqualified. I sit there and say to myself all the time, when are they going to find out? When are they going to find out? When is Pastor Linda going to find out? God, why did you call me? Least likely. What did I say last week? He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I wasn't qualified. 20 years ago, listen, you want to talk about the middle of nowhere, I'm out at Montauk. I said this story, but I don't care. Pastor Linda, she preached for year, 40 years in this place. And she would tell some stories, and I'm like, man, how many times have I heard this story as a kid? And now, right, I'm living that out, because you're like, man, Pastor James, I heard that story at least five times. You're going to hear it for the sixth time. That's all right. And I'm in Montauk. It's not part of my sermon, but who cares? And I'm out in Montauk, right? And there's just... We're at a men's retreat and Pastor Joe had preached on something. This is 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago. And I just happened, I have a picture in my Honda Accord. Today, it's going to be used in a sermon. I know what I'm going to use. I'm not going to tell you what the sermon's about. But I had a picture of all the men that were there at that retreat, right? But here we were in this room in the middle of nowhere. I mean, is that room nice? It's not nice. It's ugly. It's the least likely place you think you're going to meet God, right? And in the middle of that room... I could, I see the guy who is not a member of our church anymore. Nice guy, right? But he just started praying about something and then boom, I got hit. Ever since that day, ever since that day, something happened inside of me. And you go up new levels. Listen, there are new levels that you go up and some of you have your own stories when God just totally blindsided you. I said to you last week, you think you found God. God wasn't hiding somewhere. Oh, you found me in the closet. Here I am. God wasn't hiding. God found you. God saw you in your mess. God saw me in my mess. And he said, I want you. I want the Leahs of the world. I don't want the Rachels. Now I get into this. When the... I'm, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. <laughs> when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Oh my God, you have two, look at these, look at these problems. You have one sister, here we go, I can't even finish the text. You have one sister that wants approval, right? She's desperately going to be fighting for approval from her husband. And then on the other side, you have one that's not fruitful on the inside. She's barren. There's a problem. There is one over here, Leah, who has been looking at, get this, don't miss this. There's one that has been looking out her entire life for acceptance. She's looking outward and then it's not going to be till the end of the story that she starts to look inward and see where real happiness comes from, where real peace comes from, where real joy comes from. That's to somebody. So Leah conceived and bore a son. 
And she called his name Reuben. Hey, little Ruby. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given this son also, me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have become, I have born him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. She stopped having kids. Now, can I show you what their names really mean in Hebrew? Because this is just mind-blowing. You take notes. Look at this. Reuben means to see. Simeon means to hear. Levi means to attach or cleave. And Judah means to praise. Maybe now I've given him a son. Maybe my husband. No one has ever seen me my entire life. I've always been the ugly duckling. My dad has never seen me before. Hello, I know I have a beautiful sister over here, but does anybody see me? Maybe my husband will now see me. And by the way, do you realize how brilliant this move was by Laban? Do you realize how brilliant this was? This is the only way he was going to get that daughter married. That was the only way was to deceive. That's the only way it's going to happen. So kid one, then number two, Simeon, to hear. Maybe now he'll hear me. Maybe now he'll pay attention to me. Maybe now he'll hear my heart's cry. Maybe now, maybe now. Sorry, Leah. Levi, to attach a cleave. Maybe now I've given him another son. What father in the ancient world, right? This is all you cared about as a father. You wanted sons. Sorry, ladies. But if you're a man, that's what they wanted. Keep the lineage going. Keep everything going. Maybe now, maybe now Jacob will cleave to me. Maybe now Jacob will attach to me. Maybe now he'll love me. Maybe now he'll pay attention to me. But it's not until son number four. It's not until she has Judah. So, so what is she, t- I mean, she's popping kids out like Miss Duggar, Duggar, whatever her name is, right? She's like the Duggar lady has like 20, like oh, another kid, right? another kid. It's like, how does that, how did that lady do that, by the way? That's for another day. But you see here, she's looking to Jacob and saying, if only my husband will love me. I mean, now listen, listen. Having kids is good for replenishing the earth. And having kids is good for, it's good for church growth. So you keep having kids, right? You keep having kids. Some of you, you didn't get it. It was supposed to be a joke, right? You keep, keep procreating, right? So the church grows. But here's a woman that is looking and she's saying, if only, if only, friends, come on, until he is enough for us. Listen, this is another line. Until he's enough for us, it will never be enough for us. Until he is enough for us, whatever that it is, you have to define what that it is for you. It will never be enough. Jacob, why is Jacob Why are Jacob and Leah soulmates? Because here is Leah, the unloved child. And if you remember earlier in the story, there was Jacob. He also was the unloved child. He's the one that stole his brother's blessing. He's the one that takes his brother's birthright. He's clawing. He's trying. Here's Leah. No, Rachel isn't your soulmate, Jacob. Leah is. Because you're exactly the same. You're two peas in a pod. You're trying and you're striving and you're looking at certain things to ultimately give you satisfaction. Did you look at the story that way? Because I see it and I see these two. As they're getting older and they're getting older and they're having kids, things are happening beneath the surface. Now, can I show you this too? And this, I'm going a little deeper on this, but I had to throw a C.S. Lewis quote in here. It's kind of long. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to digest this, but reference what I'm just saying now, what I've said to you. Look, look, I want you to see this. Most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us or longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. 
I am not now speaking of what would ordinarily be called unsuccessful marriages or holidays or learned careers. I am speaking of the best possible ones. There was something we grasped at in that first moment of longing, which fades away in reality. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife, and the hotels and scenery may have been excellent, and chemistry may be a very interesting job, but something has evaded us. To be something I know, C.S. Lewis, you have to read him four or five times. You have to read it. But to really think about what he's saying with this, if only, if only I have this. And we look to all these things, right? Come on, friends. We look to all these things that we ultimately think are really going to bring us happiness. And I see in the, the lives of all of these characters, as Jacob's life unfolds, and you see these tertiary characters, you see Leah, and you see Rachel, you see all these things happening, and you see exactly what Lewis is talking about until he's ultimately enough. And you see in the story that God loves unloved people. Did you know God selects what man rejects? Did you know that? Did you know that? God selects the people that man rejects. He's looking at both of them. He's looking at two girls and he's saying, I don't think I'm going to take the pretty one. I think, you know, Rachel, Rachel, you can, you can, I want you to play. Rachel, I want you to just play in the background. Is that all right? Well, we're going to start to come to a close, which means I'll probably finish in 20 minutes. Not going to be 20 minutes, but I'm kidding. Rachel, you in the house? Oh, there you are. Rachel, I just want you to play a little bit in the background like you did earlier. Inspires me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second. Whoa! (laughs) Rachel Leah is in the house. (laughs) I, I don't know if I can finish. I don't know if I can finish my sermon. We planned that. No, we didn't. But it was good anyway. I want to talk though now for the rest of this this sermon as we start to come to a close. I want to talk about and talk to all the unloved Leahs in the house. No, no, no. I'm not just talking to the girls. I'm talking to men in here. I'm talking to boys. Maybe your dad or mom left you when you were young. And you know what? You, f- you still feel the pain. You still feel unloved. I'm not just talking to the women. Maybe you were in a marriage and your wife left you. Maybe your husband left you and you feel rejected. You feel unloved. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, you are in the right place. And this is the right story for your life because God comes after the unloved. God comes after those that are despised. God comes after those that are rejected. God comes after those that are lonely. God says, I want you, Leah. There'll never be a father like him. There'll never be a mother like him. Do you realize that Leah probably, I'm thinking about it, again, use your imagination. I'm thinking that Leah probably cried herself to a sleep many a night. And there is a God that says, God, I'm going to catch all those tears, Leah. Leah, I see all of them. I see all of them. I got a plan for you, Leah. If you would stop looking at where you're at. You stop looking at in the middle of, of your mess. Like last week when I showed you the pieces, just like Jacob's life, they look like they're everywhere. You keep missing, girl. You keep just looking at what's happening to you. But if you would look again, you would see what, what God wants to do through you. Did you hear what I said? God wants to do things through us, but we sit there and go, look what's happening to me in my life. I'm not sitting there. You want to come after me, enemy? I told you earlier, you want to try to come after my family? You want to come after this church? Well, I'm a shepherd and I'm standing at the door and I'm ready to do, I'm ready to go to war. I'm ready to battle. I know there's a prayer team. They're ready to battle. Are you doing the same thing when you go home to your house? It's your house. It's not his house. It's his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. His church. He's the God of the orphan. He's the God of the widow. He says, I choose you. I choose you. And then here's the part, right? When it says she has that fourth child and she calls him, oops, and she calls him, she, she calls him Judah, which means to praise. Did you notice that for the first time in the text, she's not even mentioning her husband? 
She's not even mentioning her situation. For the first time, she's actually looking up. She's looking vertically. She's looking to God. And she says, I will praise you. Even though that things haven't worked out. Even though that my husband doesn't look at me. Even though that my my father doesn't even look at me. There's somebody else that's up there. I don't know what happened in this story, but something, God touched her. God revealed himself to her. The, uh, the one that nobody liked, the one that nobody wanted to talk to, the one that nobody wanted to date. God chose her. And if that's you, God chose you before the foundations of the world. No second class citizens. And what a beautiful line when it says there at the end, when it says she no longer, she was done having kids. She doesn't have to have kids to be significant. She can look inside now. Now, I would love to, I need like, I need, this is what I need right here. Here it is. Here it is. I wish I could sit. This is where I'm going to, this is, this is, this is good. I wish I could have both of them here, right here, right now, right now. I wish I could have Leah, Rachel, Leah playing the music and Leah and Rachel. And I wish they could be sitting here right now. And this is what I wish they could see. First of all, you see the, un- the, the child that is unloved, Leah, right? But, but, what about, let's, but what about this right here in Genesis 31? It says, Rachel, look up. Rachel, look, look. Now, you don't ha- I know you girls. I know you don't have the whole Bible. You don't even know what the whole Bible is. But just look up. It says, now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. Can you say sibling rivalry? And said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Rachel, you don't know what you're talking about, girl. Leah, you don't know what you're talking about either. Can I take you to the best part of the sermon? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? If you don't shout for joy on this, I'm worried about you. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care where you've been, what time you went to bed. It's Memorial Day weekend. This is the word of God. And I only get 40 to 45 minutes with you per week. And I'll tell you what, I'm amping it up and I'm spending more time and I'm more serious because I know what's at stake. Look what it says here in Matthew 1, 2, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is like Ancestry.com. I'm not going to go through all the names because I can't even pronounce half of them. So crazy. But it says in Matthew 1, 2, Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Leah, Leah, look. The child that you are going to have, girl will one day down the road bring in the savior of the world. One day, girl, you're the girl that nobody wants. Look, girl, look what's happening. Nobody loved you. God says, I'm not going to use the pretty one. That's why I love Jesus. How can you not love this Jesus? Who goes after the despised and the marginalized and those that are excluded? I want the unloved one. And that's why, you know what he's called? He's called the Lion of Judah. He's not called the Lion of Benjamin. He's not called the Lion of Ephraim. He's not called the Lion of Gad. He's not called the Lion of Manasseh. Don't make me go the whole way because I'll do it. Are you kidding me? Told you I was going to rock you with that. How awesome is that? But I'm not done. Because if you go down to 116, because Rachel, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Leah, you feel good about yourself, right, right? Now you look at Rachel. Rachel, look up, look up. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Girl, I'm here to tell you this morning that even though you were barren, right? Even though you couldn't have kids, you will have a son who will rise to be the second in command in all of Egypt. And he will save the entire family. I'll do a series on Joseph, but not right now. Down the road, I'll do another series on Joseph. You want that? You don't look like you want it. Who do you want next? Because this is fun doing characters. Both girls fighting for love, fighting for acceptance. Are you kidding me? Give me another religion. Give me another book that can even rival what we see. And then this. Can I give give them and you one more picture? How about this? How about this? Here it is, girls. This is the lineage, right? Don't get all caught up in all this, but just look at... These are all the kids 
right? You see Jacob and Leah up top. I didn't get into Bilhah and Zilpah. I didn't get into their maidservants because we didn't have time for that. But there's Rachel. And you see all these kids. And you keep going down here. But I want you to see, girls, look at this, look at this. City on a hill, look at this. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. These are the 12 children from Rachel and Leah. Let me tell you something, girls. These are the 12 tribes that are going to ultimately make up Israel. And from Israel, the Bible says the whole world is going to be blessed. The whole world, girls, is going to be blessed through your wombs. Do you realize, and even, forget it, I won't even say it, but you realize that weakness is God's secret weapon? Do you realize that? He uses the weak things of the world to shame the, the strong things. He uses the foolish things to shame the wise. He does it time and time again. Do you realize that your weakness is your portal into God's power? Did you hear what I just said? Your weakness. I'm not up here saying to you, don't walk out of here and say, preacher said to me, he said to me, the pastor said to me, God's going to use me in spite of my weakness. No, no, no. He's going to use you because of your weakness. Did you get that? He's going to use you because you're weak. He uses me because I'm weak. That's what he wants. The girls that really nobody loved. Yeah, yeah, Jacob. I know you're saying Jacob loved, but Jacob loved Rachel. But inside, they didn't even love themselves. You realize with all these characters, they don't even love themselves. But there is a God who knows, and there is a God who sees. And there's a God who comes in to the picture. In Jesus Christ, as we come to this table now this morning, I think of Jesus who came in. And, and you know what? I'm like, what, what, what can we say about Jesus? Jesus came in as the unrachel. He didn't come in majesty. He wasn't born in the penthouse. He was born in the pig house. He's born outside. He's, his parents are on the run. He's not in the palace, friends. You with me? He comes into the world like a child. He didn't come in majesty and splendor. No, one day he's going to be the Lion of Judah again. Lion of Judah. But that's not how he looked when he came into the world 2,000 years ago. And that's why. That's why. Just another reason why I'm a Christian. Look at Jesus. Look at how you did it. You blew everyone's mind. It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. But you were doing things, Jesus. You were doing things. God, you were doing things. You orchestrated things. Friends, I know this is a hard... For a lot of you, I could tell, this is the hardest message to preach in the series thus far. Hopefully you got something out of this. Because this story is powerful. I'm not walking... Out, listen, I'm not... Let me tell you something. Another thing, I'm not walking out going, I know I brought it today. I don't walk out... I'm not going. I, didn't, I brought my A game. Like, I brought it. I'm not looking for you to clap. I'm saying... I'm saying to you... If you didn't get this, or you think it was like, ah, eh, if you're walking out, because that's what you do all the time, right? That was real. Last week, you're like, that was amazing. Because I walked out and said, as a preacher, I'm like, I can't do anything else. I can't throw the message out there. And I felt like any better than what I did. I'm not being prideful. I'm just saying there's certain messages. But listen, this, you have to walk out and you have, you could start playing, Steve. And you have to walk out and you have to take this and apply this to your life. Stop evaluating everything. Stop evaluating everything. I know there are Leah's in the room. As you come up to the table, there are times and situations. Maybe you weren't picked. You were shunned. You felt like you're the unloved. My siblings got all the attention. This happened. My husband doesn't love me. My wife doesn't love me. My kids, this, that, this. And if only I get this, if only I get that, then I'm going to be happy. And if only I get this. Bring that all to the table this morning, friends. You bring that to the table this morning. And you remember what this God did thousands of years ago. Last comment, I promise. And then we're going to pray. And we're going to, we'll, we'll take the table. If you miss the wrestler next week, I, I, the message, it's in me. It's so strong. I could preach it right now. Okay. I know you're like, listen, one sermon's enough. You're crazy if you miss the wrestler next week. And then I'm going to bring it all together. When we talk about Jacob and Esau, when we started in the beginning, we're going to end when they finally meet up on the end of the road. That's what's ahead for the next two weeks. You do not want to miss the wrestling occasion that takes place on the mat, right? You don't want to miss that next week. Lord, Lord, I thank you that you're taking us on this journey. Oh, Lord, it's been a magnificent journey. 
Father, I, but we, we want to be changed, Lord. Lord, we, we want to be rearranged. We, we don't want to be the same people as we've walked into the story. We want to walk out differently. We want to look at life differently. We want a new perspective. Lord, we want new power. Father, we, we, your presence is everywhere. I, Lord, I don't want to say be with us. You're always with us. But Lord, I ask that we would feel it stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger as we live and as we move, Lord, and as have, you have your being inside of us, that we would feel your power. Lord, I speak against the enemy in all of his lies. I speak against all of his tactics. I speak against all of the darts that he has tried to hit everyone with, that people in here are not loved. No one cares about them. Father, you love the unwanted ones. You loved Leah, Father. You saw that Leah was unloved and you said, that's my girl. And you look around this church right here and there are people that don't feel loved. And they, maybe they don't have parents around. They, they're estranged from their family members. Lord, but you love them with an unfailing love. Let them feel it, Lord. May that be so thick. May we marinate in your presence as we just take these elements and we hear this music, Father. Lord, speak to those that are unloved. Amen. I'm telling you, listen to me, friends. He's, I said it, he's out to take us out. I got to walk into a situation on Tuesday. We had a kid in, in Sable in my high school, and I can't tell you how many tragedies in 20 years at that place. I'm not going to give you details because you don't need to hear details, but a kid took her own life and tragic in so many ways. If I told the story, it's the most tragic one I've heard yet in my 20 years at Sayville. But I sat there and I was crying yesterday a little bit, just last night. I didn't even tell Megan about this. I didn't know the kid well. I taught the kid, didn't know the kid well. I'm not saying that. I cried because there's another kid that the enemy went after and got. There's another person that he lied to and told them, your life is worthless. You're an absolute waste. I tell you this morning, God loves you. God does not reject you. He takes what man rejects. He said, I want you. We have to get that message out because he's, let me tell you, the enemy is ramping up his game. He's coming after us harder and harder and harder. He's coming after our kids. He's coming after our kids. It's time to fight. Ushers, please. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.